This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. We're about to hear from God's Word and then uh, we're looking forward to hearing Sophia Cameron, who's been one of our CMS Link missionaries in Nepal, uh, preaching to us from uh, the book of Philippians this morning. But let's pray as we come to hear from God's Word. Our Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we ask you that you would speak today by your Word, that you would make your Word clear and plain to us, that you would convict us in it and transform us by it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's hear from God's word. Good morning, church. The reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second Bible reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Paul said, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out like a, a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you must also be glad and rejoice with me. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. My name's Sophia, and I'm the guest preacher today as we continue our series, Complete Joy by looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. Well, in February this year, I moved back uh, to Australia from Nepal, where I've been living for the last eight years. Um, and I was involved with teacher training, and part of that work um, involved going out into rural areas. And I loved this part of my job because the scenery in Nepal is very beautiful. But uh, these trips were also quite difficult, and there's one trip that really sticks out uh, as being difficult. Um, and it was difficult because I was travelling by myself and I didn't really know the people uh, in the village that I was staying. And I was staying with a woman who kept asking me quite personal questions. So questions like, how much did I earn? Why was I not married? Uh, and these questions are appropriate in the Pali culture, but I was reaching my personal questions limit quite quickly. 
Um, and as is usual, I slept on a hard bed. There's no mattress or pillow. Um, I was eating rice and lentils twice a day. I didn't shower the whole four days I was there. Um, and to go to the bathroom, I had to go outside uh, to a squat toilet. So after four days, while it had been a good training, I was, I was looking forward to getting back to my flat uh, in Pokhara. And to get back to my flat, I had to get in a jeep uh, because the road was quite bad there. Um, so down, down the mountain in a jeep and then two buses back home. So on the morning that I was leaving after four days, uh, I got up at 4.30, got out onto the road and the jeep picked me up at five, so that was all fine. Um, but we, after about 200 metres down the road, we stopped to collect uh, the next passenger, but there was no one there. And so the driver called this man, and I could hear him on the phone saying, Mo'aiko, Mo'aiko, Ekchin, Ekchin Mo'aiko. So he's saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, please just wait. And so we sat and we waited, and I think we waited almost an hour. And then eventually he came, and it turns out he was late because he wanted to bring his goat down to the town to sell, and the goat had run off. <laughs> So by this time, I can laugh about it now, but by this time I was head in hands thinking, are you kidding? Like you've just made us wait an hour. So anyway, he gets into the Jeep and ties the goat onto the roof and we, we get down to the town and I catch my two buses. Uh, so that was all fine. But by the time I got back to the flat, I was covered in dust from the trip, um, plus four days without showering and I just really wanted to relax and have a shower. And so I go into my bathroom, I turn on the tap, and nothing comes out. There was no water left. And I literally stood there and said, why, God, why are you doing this to me? Or why am I telling you this story? Well, I think uh, today's passage is about applying what we learnt the last few weeks. We are called to live out our faith in obedience to Christ and develop a mindset like his. And I think in my story there are hallmarks of my failure to do just that on that particular trip. So our passage today is Philippians 2, verse 12 to 18. It would be great if you can have that in front of you as I speak. Uh, but first, let me pray for us as we look at God's word. Lord Father, help us now to hear your word, and by your spirit, may it change us to grow more like the Lord Jesus in his mindset. We pray these things in his powerful name. Amen. Well, there are three points I want to work through now. Uh, the first one is being like Christ in obedience. Second one, being like in radiance. And third point, being like Christ in humility. So that's being like Christ in obedience, in radiance, and in humility. So first of all, being like Christ in obedience. Well, Paul begins our passage with therefore. And like much of Paul's writing, he's building on what he's already said. So to properly hear today's passage... Uh, let's remind ourselves of what he's just said to the Christians in Philippi. So previously we heard that if you are united with Christ Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, we are to be of one mind and spirit. We are to be united as a church. And then Paul gave that wonderful example and description of the Lord Jesus. We heard not only about Christ's, uh, what Christ did, but we're given a glimpse into his mindset we're shown a window into the mind of Christ. And we learn that his mindset is that of a humble servant. He is completely other person-centred. Despite having equal divinity with God, he chose not to hold on to that power, but rather to lay it down in order to be like a servant, 
and die a humiliating and painful death for us. So having reminded us of these truths, Paul in our passage today returns to his initial exhortation. We are to mimic the example of Christ and to live out our faith in humble obedience to God. So in verse uh, 12 he writes this, and please read along with me. Therefore, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now we're told in other places we can't uh, work for or earn our salvation. So when Paul says to work out your salvation, what he means here is this, to live out your new status as followers of Christ in obedience to him. Obedience is evidence of their salvation. It's evidence of their acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord over their life. And this is completely the opposite of what our culture tells us to do. We're constantly surrounded by messages to take control of our life, to rely on our own judgment, and that we deserve comfort and ease. And these messages feed straight into our own sinful desires because our sin is essentially giving ourselves permission to do what we want, to assert our own agenda and wants. My problem on that trip back from Gorka was that things weren't going my way and I was fed up. And I think the word obedience can make us feel quite uncomfortable because obedience to God means freely giving up those desires and wants and handing these over into the hands of God, trusting him with your life, letting him take the reins. And that can be quite scary. But if we claim to follow Christ, it means that we are his. He paid for us with his life. And this means we live in obedience to him. Timothy Keller writes, Jesus gave himself wholly for us, and so now we must give ourselves wholly to him. And in verse 12, Paul says to live out your faith with fear and trembling. And I, I think this is important for us today because I think we quickly forget how mighty and awesome God is, how much we deserved his wrath because of our sin, and how big his mercy is for us in saving us. Fear and trembling describes someone who stands in awe of God, who has understood that this is the sovereign creator of the universe with all power and dominion. It echoes the glory and greatness of Jesus' exaltation, verse 10 to 11, that we read last week, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In his commentary, Gordon Fay helpfully writes, One does not live out the gospel casually or lightly, but as one who knows what it means to stand in awe of the living God. When we lose sight of God's extraordinary power and might and of his perfect wisdom, we forget exactly who we are before God. We forget that we are nothing before him. And we start to elevate ourselves, which is the opposite of what Christ did. When we forget God, we automatically put ourselves on the throne of our lives and we take control. So in other words, we live in disobedience to him. And again, this is the opposite of what Christ did. So Paul reminds us, as those united with Christ, to mimic Christ's example to us, remain faithful to him in humble obedience. And we're not alone in this. 
As Paul says in verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. We have the help of the Holy Spirit who does this work in us. And so this brings me to my next point, called to be like Christ in radiance. So as we grow to be more like Christ, as we live out our faith in obedience to God, and as we allow the Spirit to work in us, we will shine like stars, says Paul in verse 15. And Paul's concern here is of the church's corporate purpose of pointing people toward God, of being a light on a hill for the surrounding culture. We are to reflect God's goodness and mercy to those who don't know him. And this means we as the church and individually will stand out from our culture. What do people do when they look up and see the stars? Uh, Perhaps outside of a city where it's pitch black. Well, I think it is awe and joy as we look up and see something inherently beautiful and bigger than ourselves. And this is what people will experience, awe and joy, when they see God at work, both through you, the church, but also you individually. And Paul wants us, the church, to be blameless and innocent. He says this in verse 15. And he gives us a very practical way to do this. Now, I wonder if you were going to give advice to someone about how to be blameless and innocent, uh, what advice would you give? Perhaps it might be something like give money to the poor, uh, turn up to church every Sunday, uh, volunteer at a charity. And while these have their merit, Paul suggests something quite different, something which I think can seem small and insignificant. He says in verse 14 that we should do everything without murmuring and arguing. Uh, And in thinking about the word murmuring, I first want to differentiate between this and unburdening yourself with someone. If you are weighed down by something, or if something is troubling you physically, mentally, or spiritually, and it's ongoing, and it's hampering your life, then I think it's really important to talk to someone about this. In Galatians 6.2, Paul tells us to carry each other's burdens, and we can't do that unless you tell someone what those burdens are. And I also want to add, if you are living in fear or anxiety uh, because of someone's actions towards you at work or at home, then please do tell someone. But here Paul uses the word murmuring, uh, and in other translations it's grumbling. And I'm going to define it as the negative habit of constant complaining. So for example, it could be complaining about the annoyances, perhaps of lockdown, uh, perhaps things aren't quite going your way, perhaps things that are in the way of your comfort. And he couples this with arguing. So what do these two have in common? And why does Paul refer to these two things? Well, I think the effect of both is disunity. They are actions that do not encourage others or work toward building each other up. In fact, they have the opposite effect of uh, tearing down, of being divisive. And they are both attitudes that focus on the self. They are both inward-looking and self-serving. We see in many of his letters that Paul is concerned about the unity of the church. Paul wants us to be unified. Because uh, this has ramifications for the church as a witness to God. If we're divided by grumbling and arguing, we are not shining like stars in a crooked generation. We are being like that crooked generation. When we grumble and argue, we muffle the message of Christ. When we grumble and argue as a church, we are like stars 
competing with the superficial lights of a city. Our light is dulled and inconsequential. And it also has ramifications for the health of the church. If we are not unified, if we're caught up with grumbling and arguing, we are not being an encouragement to each other. And Tim reminded us a few weeks back earlier in our series uh, that we are to help each other glorify Christ in our lives. As the church, we are to encourage each other. And we're not doing this if we're murmuring and arguing. So this seemingly small and insignificant habit has great consequences, both for the internal health of the church, but also for our witness to God. Grumbling and arguing are an outward action that reveal an inward state. And that brings me to my third point, being like Christ in humility. So Paul has given us a picture of perfect humility and obedience in Christ and the reminder that we'll be radiant like stars if we remain blameless and innocent. And in the same breath, he says, do everything without murmuring or arguing. So how are these connected? Well, I think we can get into that habit of murmuring and arguing when we've lost sight of who we are before God and we've lost sight of grace. We've begun to believe the lies of our culture and that we're entitled to having things our own way, that we are the gods of our lives. In effect, we're saying to God, I deserve better. Why haven't you given me this or allowed me that? And we're not saying your will be done. We're saying my will be done. And when we grumble and argue, we've lost our sense of God's incredible generosity to us in Jesus. We've forgotten humility. Earlier in the chapter, Paul clearly asserts that this is not the proper attitude or mindset of someone under Jesus' lordship. So in verses 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So how do we stop murmuring and arguing? How can we be different to this and instead shine like stars? And how how are we to be like Christ in humility? Well, I think the passage reminds us of three things that will help us do this. In verse 16, Paul writes, You will shine among them like stars in the sky by holding fast to the word of life. When Paul writes, hold fast to the word of life, he means hold firmly to the message of the gospel. So one way is to commit to regularly reading your Bible and hold on to that wonderful message of grace and the hope we have in Jesus. As we read scripture, we are reminded of the promises we've been given, of God's ongoing love and provision for us and for Jesus' sacrifice for us. And as we do that, we look upward to God and we look outward to others. And so our focus is shifted away from ourselves, just like the picture of Jesus we had in last week's text. And then our perspective changes and what we value changes. Our priorities become more closely aligned with God's priorities rather than our own. And we find joy in what God gives joy. So to illustrate what this uh, attitude might look like, I want to read a segment of a letter from a man named Father Damien. And so Father Damien was a pastor who moved to a leper colony, uh, living in exile on the Kalapapa Peninsula in Hawaii in the late 1800s. 
Um, and after living with them by choice, uh, as their pastor for around 10 years, he also caught leprosy. And then he wrote this letter to his superior. Don't be too surprised or distressed to learn that one of your spiritual children has been decorated, not only with the cross of the order of Kalakaua, which was something the Hawaiian family had honoured him with, but also with the heavier and less honourable cross of leprosy, with which I, with the approval of our divine saviour, was marked. And then in another letter he writes, Those microbes have finally settled themselves in my left leg and my ear, and my eyebrow begins to fall. I expect uh, to have my face soon disfigured. Having no doubt myself of the true character of my disease, I feel calm, resigned, and happier among my people. Almighty God knows what is best for my own sanctification, and with that conviction I say daily, your will be done. Well, Father Damien reminds me of Jesus' humility. What is important to him is serving others and demonstrating, uh, demonstrating God's grace. His mindset is Christ-like. He is humble in his obedience to God and his gaze is fixed on the Lord Jesus. His hope is in the kingdom of God. And I think we see this exemplified also in Paul. Paul's joy is not in his comfort. It's not in winning an argument. It's in his sisters and brothers in Christ. It's in the knowledge that they are persevering in their faith and in the fellowship that they enjoy. That's what's important to Paul, and that's what gives him joy. In verse 17, he writes, But even if I'm being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So by holding on to the word of life, fixing our gaze on Jesus and all that he has done for us, therefore we'll be, like, we'll be Christ-like in our perspective. We'll be like him in our radiance and humility. I think a second very powerful and practical way to develop a Christ-like attitude of humility is to be thankful. Um, and we saw in the beginning of the letter how Paul gives thanks for the Philippians' faith. And we learnt earlier in the sermon series how giving thanks is closely connected with joy. Being thankful opens the way for being joyful because we're reminded of all that God has abundantly given us. Thanking someone is the antithesis of complaining. And we saw Paul's example of this in chapter 1 when even under house arrest, Paul gives thanks because he can see the benefit of his imprisonment. It has served to advance the gospel. And I think this is something we can do. And to be honest, living in Nepal was hard. I definitely find it easier living here. Um, and it would have been very easy for me to continually grumble um, about annoyances and also to argue with people who did things very differently to me. But at the same time, I was very conscious that um, people knew I was a Christian. And as such, I was an ambassador of Christ in a Hindu culture. And I knew that if I complained and argued, I was both dishonouring the Nepalis that I lived and worked and fellowshiped with, um, but I was also dishonouring God. And I was failing to reflect God's goodness to me, his abundance, kindness and provision for me. And I think we, the church here at St Mark's, are the same. We are ambassadors of Christ. And people around us notice what our attitudes are like.
So when I'm stuck in feeling negative uh, about a person or a situation, one of the best things that helps me uh, is to sit down and write down two things. So one thing is all the way God has answered my prayers in the last month or so. And the second thing is all the things I'm thankful for that he has given me. And when I do this, I am always humbled by how generous God has been and is toward me. Thanksgiving forces us to notice what God has given us. And it also reminds us of his grace because we didn't deserve these things. And it reminds us also, I think, that we're not in control of our lives. He is. And above all, I'm reminded of the promises he gives us, both in this life and the one to come. I'm reminded that I have everything I need. So on that trip back from Gorka, there were lots of things I could have been thankful for. The scenery, as always, was beautiful. I made it back to my flat, uh, fine, and my lovely landlord's family who lived below me, uh, once I told them about the water, they very quickly apologised and raced to kind of pump water up to the tank so I could take a shower. So being like Christ in humility takes, uh, involves holding on to the word of life, the gospel, being thankful. And there's a third thing I think which is helpful, and Paul reminds us uh, in verse 13 that it is God doing a work in us. Developing a Christ-like attitude is not up to us alone. And so therefore we pray with expectation. We ask God to help us develop a spirit of thankfulness and joy. We cannot do this without God. And so we pray with expectation that God will fulfill this promise. We ask for his help. And I want to uh, finish, I guess, on a personal note. Um, living in Nepal has convinced me that it doesn't that it's not your situation in life that determines whether you're someone who shines like stars on the one hand or whether you're someone who often complains and argues and has dimmed that light. In Nepal, I enjoyed fellowship with people who, uh, by our very comfortable Sydney standards, live some very difficult lives. Um, and these people know that their situation's hard. It's not by ignorance that they're content in their situation. But what sets them apart is that their eyes are fixed on Jesus and they look forward to heaven. They look forward to the day when Jesus will rule and all the brokenness of this world that they experience will come to an end. That is where their focus is. And in this, they are not focused on themselves and what they think they deserve. They thank God often for his provision because he does provide, it just looks different to what the world sees as important. And they pray. They pray with amazing confidence that God is with them and helps them. And as a result, I saw in these people incredible love and trust in God. And for me, these particular people shone like stars. So let us strive to be like Christ in obedience in radiance and in humility. Let us fix our eyes on him, being thankful for all that he has given and continues to give us in abundance. And let us together shine like stars and reflect God's awe-inspiring, magnificent grace and love to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.